Blog Talk Radio. lifted them up, Howard. Paul, you conservatives make a mistake. You can't afford to strangle hope in people. Without hope, people become dangerous. No, Howard, you liberals have let them invade our society. You give them jobs, political jobs. Paul, you missed the point. It's only the smart ones we move up. <laughs> that makes it even worse. No, no, we have to move them up. If we leave a smart one in the ghetto, he might develop into a leader against us. But if we raise him up into white society, we neutralize him. He feels compelled to try to act like us. He loses his identity and uh, his racial anger, if he has any. He becomes alien to his brothers. They realize he sold them out and they grow to hate him. He becomes worthless to them and safe for us. That's no thank you. In fact, in his love for the creature comforts, except for his color, He's become one of us. Charles Collingsworth at the White House in Washington, D.C. For many of you, this will be your first visit to this historical landmark. Our tour through these hallowed halls will be conducted by the First Lady.
father killed my great-great-grandfather. And your white-great-grandfather sold my great-grandfather. And your white-grandfather raped my grandmother. And your father stole, cheated, lied, and robbed my father. What kind of a fool would I have to be to say, come, my friend, to the white daughter and son? Good evening, America. This is your president. Please listen carefully to the announcement I'm about to make. After careful consideration and research, Vice President Duke, Congress, and myself have concluded that black people have not advanced technologically. Their educational testing scores are on a rapid decline. The vast majority of them are on welfare and producing babies at a faster rate than they can support them. And we will not carry them anymore. We are left with no other choice but to put slavery back into effect. All blacks will report to the designated camps in their area to receive further orders. The only blacks excused will be those serving in the United States military and the police. Any blacks who do not cooperate will be terminated immediately. I repeat, slavery is back in effect. We at war! That's what I told you. I know you heard what the president said, and if the nigga don't move, then he's dead. It's time for us to take the stand. Woman to woman and man to man. Blood pressure through your veins, you feel the fear. Who'd have thought that it could happen here? In the land of the free, home of the brave. The year's 95, you're a slave. Feel the war with a 
pretty like to welcome you to Africa on the Move. As your host, Brother Africa, it's always an honor and a privilege to come to your home this evening where we can speak truth to the powerful and the powerless. Today, on the ninth day of April 2023, we bring you the theme tonight Do You Remember the Days of Slavery? That's right, we will have a discussion. And we want to know, do you remember the days of slavery? Or are we still in slavery today? And I think that may be deep for today. But anyway, we want you to call in, like always, at 323-679-0841 and share your views, your perspectives on various issues that will be discussed today on this program. Like always, we may not give you what you want, but we do our best to try to give you what what you need. And at this point in time, we're going to supply you with some information, information that you can use as a tool for liberation. And those individuals who will be doing that today on this program will be a political panelist and analyst. And like always, you know how we get started with our party by introducing you to our political panelists and analysts, which at this particular time, we like to bring in Brother Haki for the African Wedding Association. Say him to Africa on the Move. Welcome, Brother Haki. Oh, Brother Africa, thanks for having me. <clears throat> my name is Haki Kamaki Nishoki. Currently, I'm with African Awareness, and of course, my thing is institution building. I'm going to dispense with a long commentary today because of the technical issues that we're having, but, but clearly, uh, the question in terms of institutions are key in terms of a changing uh, dynamic that's taking place, not just in America, but throughout the world. And it's clearly when we talk about in terms of the level of disempowerment that exists in the society, uh, we can ill afford to dismiss the very serious nature in terms of uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the ability of, 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 of the press people uh, to confront, you know, very, uh, very uh, tumultuous situations and come out front, you know, come up on top without some type of organization. So organization is key, and we encourage people, of course, to build those institutions, organizations that are geared toward the longevity of the survival of our people, because uh, without those things, uh, it becomes just much more problematic in terms of a long-term survival, and I'll close with that. Thank you, Brother Hackey. Next, we bring Brother Anthony, organizer for the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. Welcome to Africa on the Move, Brother Anthony. Uh, thanks for having me, Brother Africa. Revolutionary greetings to you, the fellow panelists, and the listening audience. My name is Anthony Williams. I'm an organizer for the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. Objective is Pan-Africanism, the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. From Brother Anthony to Brother Moses, we'd like to welcome him to Africa on the Move. Welcome, Brother Moses. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Africa. And greetings, revolutionary greetings to everyone within the sound of my voice. My name is Robert Andrew Moses, and I've been in the struggle for scientific socialism from the moment I was introduced to Marxism during the government class back in my high school years, 1968. I call Marxism the race to cure racism. I bear witness that there's one God, Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith, and that Mao Zedong is his messenger for government. Fathers, help your children. 
We don't reverse correct verdicts. I'm pro-choice, and I vote. I bear witness that women hold up half the sky. Therefore, I'm for the Equal Rights Amendment, ERA, yes. And the struggle continues to be to unite the many, to show the many their interest doesn't, is, is antagonistically in, in, in relationship to the 1%, that the 99% interest is antagonistic to the 1%, that our interest must be resolved, and but it's an antagonistic contradiction, and we must be conscious of it. And um, thank you for allowing me to be on the show. Thank you, Brother Moses. This is Brother Moses, who has Sister Eleanor. We welcome her to Africa on the move. Welcome, Sister Eleanor. Thank you, Brother Africa, and good evening to our listening audience, uh, to you, our fe- my fellow panelists, and to, as I said, our listening audience here and abroad. Um, I am delighted to be here. Happy Easter to all of the listening audience who may be celebrating Easter and happy uh Belated Passover and uh, also uh, Happy Eid to everyone celebrating. Um, I am an environmentalist and Mother Earth is screaming because of our abuses and uh, we need to see change and we need to see change in uh, the power structure of planet Earth and we are beginning to see people reorganizing and rethinking uh, control. And my greatest concern this week is uh, the expansion of NATO, which should be dismantled, but we see it expanding its membership and uh, also the crises in Russia uh, with the Ukraine Thank you so much for having me, and I'm sure this will be an exciting and wonderful show today. It's always an honor to have you, Sister Eleanor, and to our listening audience. It's an even greater honor to be able to come to your home this evening where we can speak truth to power. At this particular time, what we're going to do, we're going to take a rubber culture break, and when we come back, we'll ask you to join us by dialing in at 323 Six seven nine zero eight four one. We're gonna um, talk about what's going on in your world and the community. You listen to Africa on the Move. When I dropped the mic, it hit the floor like Thor. That's right. We can't pick it up no more. Only you try. Before the shit start, before it get dark, before they hit you with the bitch fork, better crip walk, crip this walk. is real talk, smoke push, ambush, then we peel off, niggas still running with the wheels off, always looking out for the crisscross, I'm a bigger boss than Rick Ross, always winning, nigga get lost, it's the warlord, bring the voodoo, when I bail through it's crazy like Bellevue, what they tell you, leave that boy alone, like home alone, yeah. fuck a skull and bone, arrest the president, you got the evidence, that nigga is Russian intelligence, when it rains it pours.
destroying your horns They trying to replace my halo with thorns You so basic with your bait sticks Let's go ape shit in the matrix Arrest the president, arrest the president, arrest the president You got the evidence, arrest the president, arrest the president, arrest the president You got the evidence I took back my eyes and all black tonight That's right, some niggas gotta sacrifice Not a criminal, no, I'm a seminal I was free once, now I'm clinical You so technical, this was Mexico Now everywhere I go is owned by Texico Fuck them, fuck them and the rest of you I turn a fool to a backhopper I'ma roll with the aliens Man, fuck these homo sapiens They don't really wanna make friends All they want is a Mercedes Benz All they want is they dividends and decibels Fuck these citizens They'll treat us like hooligans Throw him in, they don't care what's fully in These people don't play fair It ain't even fair at the state fair Give a young nigga gray hair That's why I'm here Make your ass lay there You better stay there Close your fucking eyes like a daycare Make myself clearer than Shakespeare I'm here to take money, even fake hair So desperate is what I'm left with For the record, you affected Who you elected, it's so septic So full of shit, I can't accept it Arrest the president, arrest the president Arrest the president, you got the evidence Arrest the president, arrest the president Arrest the president, you got the evidence Arrest the president, arrest the president Arrest the president, you got the evidence Arrest the president, arrest the president, arrest the president, you got the evidence. I reside on the west side, I murder with my third eye. Niggas so fly, get a bird's eye. I make them scream bloody murder. Let's meet at the White House, run in and turn the lights out. Man, they treat it like a trap house. These motherfuckers never take the trash out. They just cash out and mash out. Nigga, take your drugs and pass out. Niggas love to go that fast route. I see you when your black ass get out. Homie, you play too much. Why these devils, they doing way too much. Most of them won't say too much. Why they steady planning? God knows what. That's why I roll with the real ones. Real ones, trying to reach millions. Real ones, trying to make billions. Real ones, dressed like civilians. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence.
So I, that in of itself, as a, as a justice of the Supreme Court, I find that ironic that he came to discern the difference between conflict of interest and potential corruption in terms of taking money in, in, in trips, uh, and, 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 and trips on yachts and, and trips in, at you know, high-powered resorts, taking those kind of gratuities and not understanding that the conflict is a very, very real conflict. In other words, when you look at in terms of how Clarence Thomas votes in terms of the Supreme Court rulings, it's always um, tilted toward the right. In other words, his policy always reflects uh, a desire to increase the amount of control, uh, the amount of power uh, that the wealthy uh, in, uh, have in the society. And so the question inevitably becomes, well, if, if, if he's taking these bribes and he's making these rulings to benefit very wealthy and powerful people like Holland Crow, then the question arises, you know, uh, you know, is he doing that? Does he really, is he really capable in terms of dispensing justice if, in fact, he's, you know, he's predisposed to vote to the right? So a very interesting paradox, uh, I think, but, but clearly, you know, when we talk about this kind of corruption and the fact that it's Supreme Court justice, He's not cognizant of the of the the implicit or the explicit uh, conflict of interest. The fact that he doesn't know that as a Supreme Court justice raises real questions in terms of his uh, ability uh, or you know or his suitability in terms of actually being part of the Supreme Court. So I think AOC is actually co- essentially correct when she says, you know, uh, he need to be impeached. Uh, he need to be removed because clearly it's not to say that Clarence Thomas is the only corrupt individual. They're all corrupt. Uh, most of the Supreme Court are corrupt. There's no question about that. Most of the financial institutions or, or political institutions in America are corrupt. We understand that. But in the context of Clarence Thomas, the kind of corruption that he engaged in is so cartoonish, is so so childish that any you know any any tenth grader could 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 establish you know the conflict of interest in terms of you know taking gifts you know from very wealthy individuals. So clearly, I think AOC is right. Clarence Thomas needs to go. And, but again, he pretty much represents the kind of corruption, wholesale corruption, that exists in American society. And I close with that. Thank you, Brother Haki. Um, next, we'll bring in Brother Anthony. Brother Anthony, what's going on in your world and the community? Brother Anthony, the mic is yours. Hi. Hey, thanks. Um, what's, going, uh, what's going on in my world and community is uh, the Zionists are intensifying their attacks uh, against the Palestinians uh, in Palestine uh, close to, uh, to Ramadan and uh, Passover. And uh, as I understand, according to the lunar calendar, that, uh, that both of these... Um, uh, religious uh, holidays are based on they uh, they fall they they coincide around the ten- the same time period as uh, does uh, uh, the Easter holiday on uh, 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 in Christianity and uh you know, and usually around this time around the time of Ramadan attacks against the Palestinians intensify even though there is this fight among uh uh you know uh Zionists 
among uh you know for uh uh you know for for control of uh the uh, settler state of Israel they are you uh, they are united in their persecution of uh the Palestinian people and also uh let's see uh let's see the uh situation in uh uh, it seems like uh, gradually Africans are, are, are showing uh, showing more resistance to their domination by uh, uh, international finance capital, uh, and uh, this is shown by uh, by uh, that the, the call for the French, uh, you know, to get out of. Uh, you know, uh, certain countries in uh, in West Africa, in particular, Burkina Faso and Mali. Thank you, Brother Ethnan. Next, we'll go to Brother Moses. Brother Moses, what's going on in your world and the community? Well, um, let me say uh, I'm having problems with... Um, Getting cable television back in in my household, so I'm, I'm uh, in terms of news. I, I feel like I'm handicapped, uh, although I do listen to the radio and and different other things. But um, um, Trump is making a mockery of of the justice system. Uh, uh, um, perhaps I don't know. Maybe it's the omen though that he's accepting that he's going to jail. I don't know. There's one couple of ways of looking at it, but he's got this a little. Have a little video out of him in a orange suit and a bunch of people in in the in the in a jail uh having doing Elvis Preston jailhouse rock uh dancing to the jailhouse rock and um uh, making a mockery of the of the justice system um but like I said, maybe he's accepting the fact that he's going to jail too that's that's another thing the way to look at it but um meanwhile um I uh, I I would recognize it as Easter um um to those who are who are of the Christian faith uh, um this day um um death was conquered or whatever uh, it lost its sting for those who have the faith and so so um I just, I'm a handicap right now, so I'm gonna leave it right there. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. And from Brother Moses, we go to Sister Eleanor. What's going on in your world, the community, Sister Eleanor? Well, well, the first Afro-Colombian to be elected vice president of Colombia, uh, Francisca Marquez. Um, I'd like to quote uh, something she said, and it is uh, not possible to speak of climate change without racial and gender justice. And the UN is, um, she wants to see, and this woman has received the Goldman Environmental Prize in 20. 18, and it's considered one of the most prestigious environmental awards in the world. And she's received numerous other national and international awards. 
but she says it's very important that we just not have forms and things in our individual countries, but there needs to be a form on people of African descent, and it is now going to be made permanent in the U.N., It has been arduous work and ongoing work done by many activist women and men from African descent who have been lobbying in the United Nations so that it shoulders the responsibility to put the debate and actions and proposals on the table so that member states can undertake real and concrete action to begin restoring the dignity which has been stolen from people of African descent. And uh, this is a phenomenal thing. Some years ago, um, uh, she, as a human rights activist, uh, worked on numerous campaigns within Colombia. But she says that uh, it's not enough to satisfy ourselves with forms and recommendations. We need structural change, and we need them now. Structural change that sees an end to conditions of colonialization, conditions comparable to slavery, conditions of structural violence endured by the people of African descent and Africans themselves, which do not permit them to live Indignity do not permit us. I'll change her statement where she says permit them. I think that's a bad translation. I think she meant that does not permit us to live in uh, with dignity. And uh, the UN actually is going to shoulder the and this this commitment. And we hope it goes far to help bring about uh, changes in our world. The international descent, uh, she says, we must say that although we recognize the establishment of the international decade of people of African descent, we have not seen the implementation of concrete change that positively impacts the people and, uh, you know, us in our daily lives. So we hope that the uh, permanent form that will be established by the UN will help materialize uh, improvements in the lives of people of African descent the world over to reconnect Africa with its diaspora and to allow us all to reconcile ourselves as one humanity. And that is a phenomenal thing during Black Women's History Month. Uh, In addition, um, uh, this evening, uh, Brother Robert Moses may mention it, but there's also uh, a meeting around around Cuba and the upcoming demonstration in the Washington, D.C. on June, June 23rd to June 25th, I understand. And there's also uh, a rally for Julian Assange. Uh, It's a lobbying day on uh, Tuesday, 
uh, April 11th, and uh, people are invited to uh, join folks on the Hill uh, between uh, 4 and 6 p.m. Um, at uh, um, uh, uh, 10th Street and Pennsylvania Avenue Northwest is where they're going to hold the rally itself, but that's after uh, the lobbying day. Speakers are including Matthew Ho and and uh, Lucy Murphy and Friends, music from Lucy Murphy and Friends and many other special guests. And it'll start at, um, at April Tuesday, April 11th at 4 to 6 p.m. That's a rally at the U.S. Department of Justice at 10th and Pennsylvania Avenue. Earlier that day, they are asking people to go to the Hill and and lobby Congress to uh, stop these actions against Julian Assange and uh, Assange, A-S-S-A, N-G-E. And we also think that they should bring up the issue of uh, uh, um, uh, oh my God, I'm hitting a blank here, but we also have a political prisoner in Philadelphia who was also a journalist and because of his race, I believe, uh, was charged with murder and been in jail now 40 years. So we need to stop having these political prisoners, especially journalists. So that's about it. And, of course, the issue with Israel and its horrible attacks and the uh, and these illegal settlements and the attack on the mosque during Ramadan is... Uh, uh, a terrible thing, and then there was also a huge fire in a, a shopping district in Malaysia, uh, which left many uh, uh, entrepreneurs and, and workers without any work because they don't have traditional insurance, and they're just left and 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 in a dismal situation. So uh, we we see that uh, there is quite a bit going on in, in the congressional effort to end the Assange uh, prosecution is underway, and we just want to see what's going to happen with that. And, and, and I do think Abu Jamal, somehow um, that should be bought up at the same time. Um, Representative uh, Rashida, uh, I believe her name is Taliba, uh, T-L-A-I-B, is collecting signatures on a letter calling uh, on Attorney uh, General Garland to end the extradition uh, drive against uh, uh, WikiLinks. Julian aside, so we'll see what happens with that. And she is a Democrat from Michigan, so 
Good luck with that effort, and hopefully people can get out on the Tuesday 11th at the Justice Department between 4 and 6 for the for the rally and enjoy hearing speakers on the issue as well as uh, music from Lucy Murphy and Friends. Eleanor, you listen to... Thank you, Sister Eleanor. You're listening to Africa on the Move. We're discussing what's going on in your world and the community. We're going to take a quick representative um, culture break, and when we come back, we will continue this discussion of what's going on in your world and the community. You can call in at 323-679-08401. This is Brother Africa, and come and join us, because Africa is on the move. We'll be right back.
were founded in 1816. That's just a little tribute on some aspects of our history. And at this point in time, we will continue to discuss what's going on in your world and the community. I would like to engage you, the listening audience, and the political panelists and analysts on some of the ideas and issues that I encountered this week, and I'd like to hear um, some perspectives on these particular encounters that took place this past week. And for the listening audience and my panelists and analysts, one of the things i like to discuss is that there have been some articles and some news recently that look like our, some of our African brothers and sisters back home is waking up, particularly in, in the so-called political leadership. There are discussions and decisions that are being made by countries in Africa where they will no longer allow or accept American dollars as being the major currency that they would do business in. Matter of fact, many of them are talking about in two or three years making a transfer away from U.S. dollars and develop their own African currency and other currencies. So in terms of that particular movement and that type of idea, panelists, analysts, what do you take from that, Brother Hakeem? How significant is that? Is this a step moving forward in the right direction as relates to African people, Africa becoming liberated? Oh, yeah. Uh, how is that static on your end, Brother Africa? See, you have a problem with the static. So the best we can do is to listen to the audience, you know, just bear with us and let's fight through this. You know, as they say, rough the, the water, strong the swimming. Swimmer, we're going to do the best we can, but uh, it is what it is, and we don't control the technology. So go ahead, brother. Yeah, we uh, hear you. yeah there's, there's no, I just want you to know there's no static on this end. I changed phones. So, yeah, so uh, apparently, anyway, I'll talk to you about that later. In any event, uh, yes, in terms of the awareness that's taking place in Africa, it is good. It is indeed um, refreshing to to hear increasingly more and more African leaders saying, listen, we have to get up from under the, the dictates of the American reserve currency. Uh, in fact, one, one African leader out of Gambia, and I forgot his name, but the brother actually said, he said, there's no conceivable for Africa to get rid of his debt as long as it relies on the dollar as reserve currency. Uh, he's absolutely correct. Uh, in fact, it, it's designed that way to ensure the, uh, the, the modernization uh, the economic exploitation of Africa. And so by getting rid of it, uh, America or the West in general has no real control in terms of uh, impacting Africa's economies. And this is particularly so when you start thinking about the fact that African countries are talking about actually getting together and work and, and creating their own currency. Now, it started with the BRICS, uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. And they're in the process of creating their own currency. And superposed upon that, of course, we realized that the Saudi Arabia have made a decision here recently, which they said, listen, given the decline of oil revenues in Saudi Arabia, uh, what's going to happen is Saudi Arabia is no longer going to be compliant uh, on or work with the U.S. in terms of implementing the dollar as reserve currency, which means, which means that the cost of energy uh, for the world uh, initially, it's going to increase, but over time, it's going to decrease because what's happening is that along with, 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 with Saudi Arabia, you know, saying we're no longer be part of that, no part of that, uh, that, that game that the West played, we also have African nations saying that we're going to have all, we're going to have all trade between one another. We're going to trade all between states. 
So clearly, initially, the sort of price of oil initially will increase, but over time, the prices of oil should stabilize. But more importantly, <clears throat> it, it, it gives Africa a foothold in terms of ability, in terms of undermining the West, as, as the West attempt to continue to destabilize, undermine uh, Africa's development. So it's good news that increasingly African leaders realize that listen, no longer can we depend on 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 the on on the U.S. or the West in terms of our development. That we have to work with those forces, those countries in the world, who at least in terms of parity, in terms of fairness, at least saying that listen, in order we in order to make business, uh, to be fair, if we're going to make business, then both sides have to receive something as opposed to relationship where in West relationships with the West is that the West get everything and Africa get nothing. So that paradigm is going to be reversed. So now Africa's talking about working with Russia, working with China, working with Iran, you know, different countries around the world in terms of, you know, overcoming this paradigm in terms of Western control of the world's economy. Now, but keep in mind, Brother Africa, and this is something that we talked about 10 years ago in Africa on the move. We talked about the, the eligibility of central bank digital currency. Remember that? So what we have to understand clearly that even though the dollar's in decline as a reserve currency, people in positions of power in the West realize that the next the next the next shot they got in terms of maintaining control of the world economy is through digital currency, through the central banks. And so to the extent that African nations reject that nonsense or don't participate in that in that in in in, 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 in that in that arrangement, then African nations will be okay. The problem comes in when African nations agree to play ball in terms of central bank digital currencies. If they play ball, it's the tantamount to the same thing that's happening now. Because, in other words, the Western states, and particularly the United States, still control the, the economics, albeit you know through digitally, you know digitally, you know uh, uh, mastered. So what has to happen is that African nations have to fundamentally reject the social terms of central bank digital currencies, and and focus solely in terms of the enhancement or development of its own currencies. You know, in terms of you know, in terms of liberating Africa to ensure Africa, you know, can you know, can meet its obligations in terms of its responsibility to its people uh, and to the to their states. So it's good to hear the African leaders increasingly understanding that. Listen, for the longest period of time, you've been playing ball with the West, and particularly the United States, and up in hopes that somehow the U.S. government would be fair, that they would actually say, wake up one day and say, you know what, with what we've been done to Africa for centuries is fundamentally unfair, and we got to change that paradigm. Well, you know, one interesting thing though is that you know when you when you talk about when you think about the Vice President Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris going to Africa saying, "Listen, we're going to do right by Africa now." It's good that the African leaders understand that when she said that, they dismissed it because they know she's just touting a political line. She has no interest. She certainly has no power in terms of changing that paradigm in terms of the exploitation the West historically has practiced against Africa. And so in understanding that, African leaders looked at it and said, well, listen, thanks for coming, uh, but we'll go our own way. It is refreshing and it's, and it's, deep, it's, 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 it's good timing because clearly there's, in order to get out from under that modulation of Africa, uh, in order for Africa to achieve that, uh, some modem, some, some uh, modicum of, of independence, some modicum of economic success, it has to get away from that U.S. dollar as reserve currency. So I'm happy to see increasingly African leaders are saying, listen, no more. The game is over. Now it's, for, it's up to us, you know, to work together to create a new paradigm, you know, you know, for our liberation. So it's, a, it's very refreshing, and I close with that. Thank you, Brother Hockey. Brother Anthony, your take on the significance of uh, African countries getting away from the U.S. dollar, creating their own currency, 
And even more importantly, they are now talking about trading with each other, building infrastructure to buy for each other, to get oil that come from African countries, their brothers and sisters. How would they have an impact on the progress of African people moving forward? Your take on this, Brother Anthony. Yes, I agree with Brother Haki. That is a positive development. And uh, but what but but in order for uh, for Africa to ensure its independence, it has to go further than that. It they have to take uh, concrete steps toward political unification. Uh, let's see. I mean, they're making the right moves on the economic front in terms of uh, you know uh, looking to themselves more. And uh, not uh, and uh, you know and not relying on uh, on the U.S. dollar, but uh, Pan Africanism uh, is the ultimate solution to uh, to the problems the uh, the African continent and Africans in the diaspora throughout the world are facing, and uh, so. Uh, you know, while while that is a positive step, I would like to, uh, you know, see more moves toward political unification, and uh, and uh, that will lead to uh, Pan Africanism, the total liberation unification of Africa under scientific socialism, uh, because it also must uh, break. Uh, the the shackles of neocolonialism also, in order to ensure uh, its independence, and also uh, you know that the Africa's resources actually benefit African people. Thank you, brother Anthony, brother Moses. I like the you way on this issue. Where are you at in terms of the significance Africans creating their own currency? They no longer depend on the U.S. dollar, even more, even want the U.S. dollar. Where do you fall in with this particular forward movement, brother Moses? Well, well, the basic principles of the Marx, Marxism, uh, Mao Zedong thought is is that there's three worlds: the superpowers, the developed world of Europe, and the third world of Asia, Africa, Latin America, and the Caribbean, and people of color. And so naturally, when the third world has its own interests, because it's being exploited by the other two layers, and uh, and so it must get together, like the European Union tried to get together, etc. And so uh, uh, its interests lies together. They have a common interest, a common common oppressor, and uh, and so it's definitely a good move to unite, unite because that's where the, that's where the power lies. Unite the many to defeat the people. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. And since I don't know what to talk to us, your perspective on this moment. Well, I I think it is very positive. And, you know, they have been talking, using the term brick, and both the president of Kenya as well as the president of South Africa have been talking about this uh, independent currency for some time, and as you um, know, um, we all know, Ngrumah was talking about having a 
pan-African type of military to protect Africa from um, colonialist forces and militaries. And uh, uh, Moak Gaddafi was also talking to uh, his uh, fellow African uh, leaders about um, not depending on uh, outside money and taking money from Libya. So this this new currency, the EOC or whatever, they had talked about it being in place by 2024, and now it's been postponed to 2007. But that's an excellent uh, uh, move towards uh, Pan-Africanism and economic in, um, independence. And Shaking uh, the uh, imperialist uh, shackles that has uh, plagued um, nations throughout the world, and as Brother Moses said, you know we can divide the world into uh, at least two: the the EU, Great Britain, and uh, the United States and Canada. But then there is. Uh, the Southern Hemisphere, Africa, and Asia. And the fact that oil would uh, begin to be imported from African nations is is a, a good thing, but there's a problem with that environmentally. What they should do while creating this currency is aggressively pursue carbon-free sources of energy. And there's so many that are available, uh, resources available to Africa. For example, uh, solar uh, and using batteries and building basements using batteries and storing energy and moving away from fossil fuel. So everything about this article is positive, but we have to really look at whether or not it is productive for, it is not productive for anyone to continue to use and develop uh, future dependency on oil as a, a resource. But the economic goals of freeing itself from uh, uh, the uh, CFA, I think that's what the French currency is called, is excellent for the French colonies. And it's great that there would be an independent currency that would make it easier for the countries to do trade with each other and easier for people to move about as it is, as uh, Brother Anthony said, as it is. Uh, in the EU, um, all of that, uh, you once again, is, uh, is is positive. The only thing we need to think about is um, developing technology and exchanging technology amongst progressive nations um, with, um, in Africa, Asia, and South America that do not encourage deforestation or further development of, of oil resources, but seek alternative energy. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. Um, Brother Haki, the next issue I'd like to have y'all to weigh in on 
is the issue of this whole question of the West, the U.S. President Harris taking the lead to go to Africa and tell the African countries that the LGBT movement is a movement that is based upon human rights and you're in violation of human rights if you don't allow same-sex marriage and allow these kind of uh, behavior to exist when you're confined in your border, in your society, in how you have governed yourself for centuries. And there seems to be a pushback for African countries who don't see this movement being stable and good for their people. And they are told Americans that they will not accept that. What do you make of this, this pushback, Brother Haki? You know, Brother Africa, you know, one of the things is that, you know, when you talk about, you know, um, you know, gay relationships, the thing is that, you know, it's 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 not something that should be com that should be coerced or compelled uh on anyone to accept. Uh the reality is that they exist. Gay relationships exist. And to that extent gay people will always exist. And so therefore, you know, you don't necessarily have to legitimize their existence to understand that they exist. As long as they're not discriminated against because of who they are is the issue. But I think what the United States wants to do is they want to they, they want to use a political wedge issue. They want to say that, well, you know, you need to empower gay people, uh, or gay people in turn could use consolidate their power to in terms of, uh, you know, enacting uh, uh, movements in opposition to the government. That is the U.S. hope. So that's the reason why we want to prop up gay rights. They have no legitimate interest in terms of in terms of in terms of you know gay people in Africa. Because they had a legitimate interest in terms of gay people in Africa, it wouldn't be an issue. The issue would be what can we do in terms of in terms of lessening the oppression inflicted on the African population. If the U.S. reduced the level of oppression, the level of marginalization Africa has condemned with on on a on a yearly basis, then certainly in terms of human freedoms, human freedoms will actually actually increase, not decrease. So if if, if America was really concerned about in terms of gay people in Africa. It would create those conditions which are favorable in terms of allowing gay people to express who they are and to be who they are. But that's not that's not what it's all about. What it's about is about creating a wedge issue. And so, if you can use gay people as a wedge issue, you can use them to you know to fight against the government. So any type of change that doesn't incorporate you know uh, gay rights as a priority uh, 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 increases the likelihood that. Uh, uh, gay people, you know, will fight against it, and that's precisely what the United States want. They want that kind of wedge issue. So, I, so I think that you know, when, so when you talk about the kind of pushback African states are talking about, African leaders are talking about, I think in part of because you're not going to you're not going to coerce African leaders to accept a practice, and which for them, you know, is um, is um, is 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 not as commonplace as it is in the West. But like I said before, it exists. Gay people exist, and they always exist all over the world. So you're not going to eradicate people being gay. I mean, let's let's think let's let's think about that for a second. We understand gay people, you know, to a large extent, it's biochemical. It has nothing to do in terms of lifestyle. Nobody chooses to be gay. It's a, it's bi- biochemical. So if people, if if there's something fundamentally goes wrong in terms of the birth, birthing process, or not birthing process, but in terms of the the evolution, um, the, the the in terms of the um, the development of the human zygote. And changes and, and changes are uh, uh, negatively impact the development of that zygote. Then the people who come out who uh, who who suffer as a result, you know, of those those negative changes that took place, you know, in Europe, 
shouldn't be shouldn't be criticized or castigated or put down simply because they happen to manifest what they've been biologically programmed to be, which is to be gay. And so that's not that's not an excuse for people that say, ah, that's that's crap. You know, they want to be gay. No, nobody. Those these people don't want to be gay. I mean, you know, we know what people went to school with who turned out who we suspected were gay all along, who turned out they were gay. Uh, so we understand that a lot of times it's biochemical, and so it's, and as such, they have no real control in terms of their sexual proclivities, and they should be they should be put down, criticized, castigated, simply because that's who they are. But African leaders are saying that listen, we understand that you know this this, this gayness existed from the beginning of time, and it's not going to go anywhere. But you can't dictate to us and tell us that we got the right that we have to recognize it and make it somehow the the, the driving factor in terms of you know organize our society. See, this is the fundamental problem that we have in American society. I think one of the things that, you know, you got a lot of gay people who don't are not interested in politics if it if it doesn't talk about gay who doesn't talk about gay rights. And that's unfortunate. Uh because in, in focusing solely on gay rights, then all of the other um inequalities that impact their lives, they don't care about because the the question around, you know, the the the, the empowerment of gay people is more important than anything else. And that is certainly what they want in Africa. They want to create a condition which suggests you know, that people who are gay in Africa would only advocate for gay interests at the exclusion of all other concerns on the African continent. So I think what African leaders are saying to him is, listen, don't recognize. I think African leaders recognize gayness is, is a fact of life. But you don't tell us that we got to recognize that we got to make it the, the the cornerstone in terms of you know policy. You know as we as we as we navigate the oppression that the African continent is confronted with. So I think that the African leaders' response was a correct one because the bottom line is that you can't tell people what to, you can't tell people, you know, how they should respond to a particular social phenomenon. You know, they recognize the social phenomenon exists, but you can't tell them that you've got to respond a certain way to that social phenomenon. So I think the African leaders' resentment in terms of being told that you got to recognize or you got to somehow legitimize, you know, gay individuals on the African continent I think inherently, I think they they they, they felt uh, somewhat uh, insulted because you know you, you can't you can't dictate to any 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 people uh, or any human being you know that you have got to legitimize the existence of gay of gay rights, even though gay rights exist, uh, the legitimization lies with an individual. So people who happen to be gay on the African continent who know they're gay uh, have that right to exist. They know that they're gay, and their own lives they live a life life was empowerment. They don't need the government to recognize who they are in terms of life of empowerment. But what they do need is the right to access to education, access to shelter, uh, homes, or access to, to food and uh, those, those kind of things that human beings need to thrive. If the West is really concerned about gay people in Africa, then you would create conditions, socioeconomic conditions, that are favorable in terms of creating those conditions which are favorable, you know, to, uh, to, uh, uh, to you know, the, to to the, recognizing the existence of gay people on the African continent, and I close with that. Thank you, Brother Hockey. Brother Anthony, in Ghana, there was a pushback on trying to impose the gay gender on the Canadian people, and many of their leaders and leadership, people in leadership positions, each of how do they define that as a human right and concern about their human rights and not the human rights violation that America has supported, engaged in on a daily basis. Um, they were called out about the high the high concentration uh, rate of African men in jail. They were talking about the high violent rate 
of the young people killing in mass in in a mass manner. They talk about many hypocrisy of the human rights violations that the U.S. has a history of. So how dare they? So your response, were they out of order, Brother Anthony? Uh, no, they weren't. And I think the push pushback was correct. And it was, and it reminds me of a similar call, a similar pushback when a Barack Obama made a similar call uh, to African political leaders when, 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 when he was president of the U.S. And uh, the African leadership pushed back. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, the Africa does not have the same history of intolerance of differences uh, that Europe does. And uh, and uh, you know and uh, and uh, you know uh, uh, an analysis of Africa's history and European history shows that. And uh, let's see. And uh, you know. And uh, you know. Pro- uh, you know. Ga- uh, you know. Gay people have, all, uh, have probably always existed. Uh, uh, you know, throughout Africa and African history. But uh, African culture never had to create uh, special rights, especially to 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 deal with. Uh, you know, with uh, you know, with you know, no, with with, with gay people, uh, just as uh, just as the you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, religious intolerance has no history in Africa, unlike it does in Europe. So uh, you know, so I think uh, you, you know, so I think uh, you know, the uh, uh, the the pushback is correct. And I think the solution is uh, is to be found in uh, in uh, in uh, a- in African cultural values. And uh, and the thing about it, though, and I think uh, you know the uh, you know the imperialist countries are being hypocritical by uh, by uh, you know concentrating on one set of. Uh, uh, of uh, human rights and not all of them, uh, which is typical of uh, capitalist countries, uh, you know, and uh, you know, and uh, you know, and I think it's a case where uh, where uh, European-dominated uh, countries are trying to impose uh, their intolerance. Uh, on uh, on other sectors of the world where that history of intolerance never existed. Thank you, Brother Anthony. And Sister Eleanor, your take on this issue of trying to impose or uh, politicize the LGBT movement and put it in areas where the people may not historically be in strong supporters of it. Or maybe go against their traditional and cultural norms. No response, Sister Eleanor. I agree with uh, Brother Haki and Brother Anthony that first of all, this is just uh, a chauvinism on our part 
and the concern should be uh, equal rights for everyone. And we know there's a real problem with uh, the issue of female circumcision, the oppression of women, and uh, so many environmental crimes and other crimes that uh, should be addressed. The issue of human rights should be addressed in its entirety and the impact that environmental injustice has on African people, both on the continent and on the diaspora abroad. And uh, since uh, uh, the U.S. uh, uh, isn't a part of of criminal uh, prosecution at The Hague, at least, Uh, we should begin to think about uh, making uh, the international court responsible for environmental injustice against people. And the fact that uh, uh, the vice president is in East Africa interfering with the uh, policies of, of the government is a distraction. It divides the people and and brings up issues, as Haiki said, that are maybe Western cultural issues, but not necessarily issues of Africans. And uh, the fact that homosexuality has, is, uh, whether or not it exists, I'm not able to speak to, but I do know that um, in Nigeria uh, there were men who dressed as women and chose to do these things, but it wasn't a political issue. Um, it it was something they did growing up as young men and the outcome of their lives. Maybe often they ended up married with children, but I just think uh, it, it's uh, – it wasn't investigated, and it's uh, uh, culturally, um, we do not know what's going on uh, with uh, women or the LGBTQ uh, communities in in Africa, and we should stay out of the, their business unless the issue is human rights. Uh, for everyone. That means clean water, clean air, access to transportation. Um, That means education for everyone, clean soil, you know, these kind of issues. And uh, we get sidetracked with so many things that should not be uh, the priority at at this time of crisis. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. Brother Moses, you need the last take on this particular subject. Your thoughts, Brother Moses. Okay. Um, the, let's see. The, you're speaking of the LG, the LG, as part of the political economy of Africa, I mean, uh, and, uh, you know, certainly we, we want to uh, 
uphold the political rights of people in terms of the government not being uh, persecuting LGP people. Uh, certainly, we want to hold uphold that, uh, but but uh, we can't let the U.S. Uh, dictate, you know, politics and and uh, in, um, because because the U.S. is not not any moral authority or anything. Uh, there's, there's just no precedent. Uh, um, the U.S. is trying to dominate people and uh, and um, get its way through using human rights as a as a weapon. Uh, and uh, and so, you know, we have to see through these things and see for see them for what they're worth. Uh, but certainly, like like the brothers have been saying, the sisters have been saying, there's there's always been gay people and uh, and um, and um, the 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 right to exist to be upheld. Uh, 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 I don't Thank know what else to say. We'll take you right there. We'll mm-hmm. take you stop you right there, and what we'll do right now, let our listening audience know that this is Africa on the Moon, and we're going to take a Rumpster Culture break, and when we come back, we're going to start on our two-part series, which is the first part, Do You Remember the Days of Slavery? We're going to actually weigh in on us. There's an interesting article titled, King Charles Seeing the First Explicit Support for Research into Monarchy Slavery Ties. And this is an article that deals with some question on the empire of the monarchy and in relationship to slavery. What should they do in their response as the demands are made on them to pay reparations for all the harm and damage that they have done to Africa and African people? We will discuss this article and others when we return back. This is Africa on the Moon. Ha! Ah. 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 Ah.
Look how you up there. Yeah. Look how we up there. Yeah.
Africa on the moon. You come ask the question. There's an article from the Guardian News, dated the 6th of April, 2023, titled, Key Singles First Explicit Support for Research into Monty Slavery Ties. There's a subtopic under that. Buckingham Palace makes public statement at the Guardian presents evidence of royal long history of involvement in transatlantic trade. And Brother Peter stated, we are looking at international themes. Here's the royal family, an aspect of the international theft that has been going on as it relates to the robbery and exploitation of Africa and African people. Brother Haki, would you make a King Charles calling for a supported investigation and a understanding of possibly if they was involved in the slave trafficking, even though his family was in hurry, millions of dollars of money and resources from one generation to the present. Your response to this article, Brother Haki. Yeah, Brother Africa, I don't think his 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 response, um, you know, uh, to that revelation of you know uh, UK slavery. Uh, was done because you know, so morally he had some some uh, compunction to do that, which is right. I think there was a lot of pressure applied on him. Uh, you know, different organizations uh, producing information pertaining to the slave trade and how it benefited the uh, the royal family. So I think he, to some level, he was compelled to acknowledge the fact that this happened. And superimposed upon that, I think, the mere fact that the Guardian newspaper in, in the UK has been very out front in terms of its relationship, in terms of, you know, uh, the enslavement of African people. So I think given, given, given those two, two, uh, given those two, uh, two realities, I think Prince uh, King Charles uh, was compelled to at least acknowledge that the possibility exists that, in fact, this, that, that, this, that the benefits of slavery did accrue to the, to the uh, royal family. And that is, in, that, in that regard, I think that, uh, you know, he's open to, to at least uh, some investigation, some research around the question in terms of, you know, the royal family uh, uh, accumulation of wealth as a direct result of the slave trade or in in in, in black bodies. So uh, they could, brother Africa. You know, uh, you know, I, you know, I, you know, uh, the, the, the 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 detail is always in the is always in the, in the fine print. Uh, one of the things, you know, I I, I wonder. He's really um, uh, concerned about the very negative history. In terms of enslavement in UK society, it's to depend a large extent on you know uh, uh, what are you going to do concrete in terms of acknowledging you know that that, that crime that was committed you know uh, you know against African people. So what are you going to do? I'm happy at least that some people are raising respect in terms of reparations, at least as an incentive in terms of you know to sort of discourage that kind of behavior in the future. I think as we look at it in terms of the overwhelming inequality and, and injustice that permeated the world. Uh, I think one of the things is that the potential in terms of returning to a similar kind of scenario where people are, are slaves anew uh, very much exists. And to the extent that we're willing to prevent that kind of thing from resurfacing, I think reparation plays an indispensable part in terms of discouraging people from from a similar kind of action. I think if they have to pay monetarily, uh, you know, uh, if they have to go to some of the public bank in terms of ensuring this doesn't happen again, I think that the, the loss of the money, 
is more of incentive in terms of discouraging that kind of future behavior than simply mere discussion around the question of slavery. Uh, so I so I think that uh, you know it's it's good that at least he, he half heartedly uh, suggested you know that it needs to be uh, in, in, in investigated, even though his heart is not fully there in terms of the real horrors, uh, real injustice committed against African people during the, during the slave trade. But at least I'm happy at least it's on the table now, and then once it's out there, there's no way to take it back. So I'm 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 very happy that at least uh, the UK is beginning with the, the issue of. Of, of enslaving African people because heaven knows as much difficult has been in the U.S. in terms of getting the, the, the ruling class to acknowledge the horrors of slavery. Uh, you know, the only country in the world uh, uh, second to the U.S. in terms of resistance to look at its history is the U.K. And so the mere fact that he at least acknowledges that the possibility exists, I'll take that. I'll take that as a win. So hopefully we'll see what happens, and hopefully, you know, the people in, 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 in the U.K., Get get behind this reparations movement in terms of, you know, uh, uh, and showing this kind of horror never manifests itself again in the history of human society. And I close with that. Thank you, brother Haki. Brother Anthony, one of the contradictions I see from this article is that they're asking the royal family to investigate their own selves. Um, do you buy into that logic? And what did you take from this article, brother Anthony? Yes. Uh, well, lastly, um, I took from this article um, one that uh, one that I think the call for reparations is uh, uh, is somewhat like putting the cart before the before the horse, so to speak, because you only get reparations from a defeated enemy. And, uh, and, uh, let's see, and, um, you're trying to get, uh, uh, King Charles to at least acknowledge that the royal family benefited, uh, from, uh, chattel slavery, which it did. And, uh, this is coming from other sources other than the British royal family itself. And uh, so I, 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 I agree with uh, Haki that uh, King Charles was under pressure uh, to uh, to uh, you know uh, initiate uh, this explicit uh, this explicit inquiry into the uh, British royals' family of involvement in the transatlantic slave trade. Which goes back to uh, to uh, uh, to Elizabeth uh, the first uh, in the uh, in the seventeenth uh, century, who uh, who uh, and uh, one of her uh, boyfriends was uh, Sir uh, Walter Raleigh, a pirate. And uh, what he pirated primarily were were, were uh, Spanish. Uh, uh, slave ships, uh, cat, uh, you know, taking uh, taking Africans uh, from home uh, to the Western Hemisphere. So there's a long history of uh, the British royal family's involvement in the uh, in the slave trade, and uh, so I think uh, even I, I think uh, I, I think it. it it's a positive that pressure has been put on 
the royal family to at least uh, to at least uh, you know uh, initiate research into this. But it doesn't go far enough, and that, and, and would only go far with the with the defeat of uh, British capitalism. Thank you, brother. This sister Eleanor. What would you like to add to the discussion as it relates to this article? King Charles is calling for some study and look at the possibility of what was their role in, trans, in the transatlantic slave trade. Well, do you um, think he was in the days of slavery, Sister Eleanor? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you, brother. I forgot what did you say. The thing is, do you remember the days of slavery? Is that the royal family have any remembrance of the days of slavery? No, I think this. Uh, I, I no, I don't think they did. But what was very interesting about the document is that the 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 document itself that showed the transferring of the uh, stock uh, to King uh, William the Third was found in the archives by uh, uh, Dr. Brooke Newman, a historian at Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond, Virginia, on a research trip to London in January. And uh, she's writing a book, and it's called The Queen's Silence, which, you know, goes back to what Anthony just said on the uh, British uh, monarchy's involvement in, in slavery and its modern failure to even be aware of it, let alone acknowledge it. Uh, and she was commissioned as a consultant by the Guardian um, Cotton Capital Project, which has uh, investigated the newspaper's link to the enslavement of African people. And remember, uh, cotton was gold, and uh, the United States was the main producer of cotton. And she said that the uh, Colston transfer to the king offered clear evidence of the British monarchy's central involvement in the slave trade and the importance of the slave trade to the monarch's wealth and its current wealth. And there's no doubt that uh, the centuries of investment in African slavery and, and the slave trade contributed hugely uh, to building uh, the status, the prestige, and fortune of today's royal family and to its expansionism and imperialist development and further colonialization of not only the Americas, but also Africa and Asia. And this was off of the back of chattel slavery. So uh, it's great that uh, um, um, King Charles is opening up the um, British archives, the royal archives, uh, to researchers because this is very important and this helps build the foundation for reparations and 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 you know we need data we know that all of these things we live with and we know 
as as African people and as the descendants of former slaves and as African people in Africa and the impact of colonialism, but in in addressing the issue of chattel slavery, this is uh, uh, great research, and I uh, understand that in twenty is it going to be uh, twenty twenty six that uh, her book will come out. And uh, uh, the funding uh, is also the fact that the Arts and the Humanities Research Council of the United States is uh, is uh, uh, research is being co-sponsored by uh, the uh, HRP now, uh, and this Dr. Edmund Smith of at the Manchester University and and De Kooning Research will investigate the monarch's involvement in the slave trade and engagement with the empire. Now, if the book's completed in 2026, again, that will lay a greater foundation for reparations. And when um, uh, the prince and his wife, uh, Catherine, visited uh, Jamaica, you know, there was a demonstration calling for reparations. And uh, they were quite shocked. And um, I do believe King Charles, uh, uh, you know, he did apologize, but an apology is is not what's really needed. But he doesn't know. The the royal family doesn't know. The thing about being an exploiter and a colonialist, uh, the, uh, the head of the empire, he has no idea because that's behind them. Their wealth is in front of them. That's how they live now. That's how Great Britain lives. And this is uh, very important to addressing the issue of chattel slavery in the Americas, in particular in the United States and the Caribbean, what we call the slave triangle. So this is... Uh, definitely a scholarly advancement um you know they uh um uh, i believe that uh eric phillips the co-chair of the uh reparations commission which represents 20 caribbean nations where european powers enslaved people to work on plantations welcomed uh, Charles' support for the research, uh, but said that Charles should acknowledge the monarch's involvement now. I mean, that's been presented to him. And uh, when he is going to do that, I don't know. I hope he doesn't wait till 2016, but I'm sure it's a shock. Uh, major national institutions have themselves initiated and commissioned and financed uh, investigations into their own involvement in this kind of history. You know, we've discovered on Africa on the Move how in this country, for example, there was land, you couldn't put up land as any, as, 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 as uh, collateral. You had to put up slaves because it was the only thing of value. 
So wealth was created through human uh, chattel, through chattel slavery in the United States and obviously in Great Britain and allowed for the expansion and the conquering of uh, Asia through the wealth that they accumulated through the transatlantic slave trade and slavery and and the wealth uh, uh, successive monarchs accumulated from it would need a team of researchers and forensic accountants to fully uh, uh, break this information down. And, I, and I'm glad to see that it's begun. And, you know, what was interesting that protesters called for slave reparations outside the British High Commission in Kingston, Jamaica, as I said, in March of 2022, hours before Prince William and uh, his wife Catherine arrived for their visit. But uh, it, 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 it is a step in the right uh, direction. And um, another thing about the Virginia Commonwealth University in in Richmond, Virginia, it has been involved, scholarly research on chattel slavery. And in 1997 or so, I may have the year wrong, they were, um, um, had research to find families for example, in Richmond, um, uh, you know, Richmond was burned except for Fulton, and they were trying to research Fulton, Virginia. In addition, they were in Prince William County and the other counties outside of Richmond um, researching farms that had survived the Civil War and who the descendants were and actually brought descendants together that were pre Civil War farming families, and this was really important because this is the time when black farmers are in a crisis because they haven't been able to benefit from the resources offered to farmers to to uh, maintain their farms. So I think all in all, this is a, a, a great project, and I think that the Virginia Commonwealth University that seemed to initiate the research by locating this document, and I had a chance after reading the article to look at the document as it was written in um, 1689. So I think this is a great thing. Thank you, Sister Noah. Brother Moses, you weigh in on the discussion. What you get from this article? Yeah, the article. Hmm. Well, I tell I'm you, I'll this, Brother Moses. Yes, go ahead, Brother Moses. I'm drawing a blank. What? Okay, let's do this. We'll come, we'll we'll come back to you in a second. But what I want to do as we talk about this thing, part one, do you believe in the days of slavery? Now we look at the Commonwealth and royal family. We know they have many so-called um, countries under their under their um, powers. 
Now, let's listen to this question of this historical legacy of how our oppressors have um, continued to change the game up on us by listening to this particular warning from Kwame Nkrumah when Ghana first received our independence in 1958 uh, and tied us into this whole phenomenon or this whole question of the empire and our relationship to slave trade. The forces arrayed against us are, and I use the word most carefully, formidable. They are intense and powerful. They are, as I have taken some pains to explain, they operate in worldwide combinations at all levels. Political, economic, military, cultural, educational, social and trade. And not all, and through intelligence, cultural, and information services. <laughs> they operate from European and African centers, using agents who, I'm ashamed to say, are often on patriotic sons of Africa, buying personal satisfactions with the betrayal of their country's safety and integrity. They seduce leaders. They seduce leaders of the African political, trade union, and people's organizations, thus creating rifts and horrors within the national front. On the broader front, they are massing their forces in a determined effort to save the advance of African liberation and the march of unity. They are attempting many methods some sinister, some beguiling to wreck our efforts. They strike antipathetic postures. On one side, they perform acts calculated to strike fear. On the other, they try to do goodwink us with fictitious gifts, which superficially pander to our hopes and aspirations. They are the present attempts to deflect our purpose, to weaken our determination. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. 
No expenditure is questioned, no rumor is printed, no secret is revealed. We'd like to welcome you back to Africa on the Moon. We're looking at it and talking about the theme tonight, Power One. Do you remember the days of slavery? And we've been discussing this whole question of the royal family and what has been a historical role in relationship to the trans-African slave trade and enslavement of Africa, African people. And we would like to know, in terms of the recent response by King Charles, is his response adequate enough at this point in time as we begin to raise the question of what was the role of the so-called royal family and how wealth has been created from enslavement and the slave trade and passed on from one generation to another. For tonight on part one, for our political panel and analysts, and for today's program, and before we close out the program, we ask each of our panelists and analysts, listen to the one either Brother Kwame Krumah said or talk about these invisible powers and the forces trying to impose their will on their people, are the same forces that created, participate, and expanded, and expanded this whole question of oppression to the use of slavery. Brother Haki, your final thoughts for tonight. So tonight. Final thoughts for tonight. Well, you know, um, <laughs> What can I say? Uh, you know, the, the, the challenges that we face, you know, are, are tremendous. And clearly, you know, we got a, 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 we got a ruling class, um, um, like all ruling classes, who are, who are thoroughly convinced that they can deceive the masses of people indefinitely. They are confident that they are so intelligent that they can deceive the masses of people in, 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 you know, uh, in, 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 to the end of time. The problem, with that, the problem with that perception is that, of course, we understand that in terms of history, uh, no system has been ever able to endure you know, for long periods of time. Uh, so the, the mere fact that these ruling class individuals think that they can somehow innovate the perfect uh, design uh, to enhance their power, you know, and, you know, uh, to eternity. Uh, I think they're sad, they're sad and mistaken. But nonetheless, the kind of hubris that they that they have convinced them that they can, in fact, achieve that. Now, superposed upon that is the use of force. And one of the things that we talk about, you know, in the society, we talk about over 100 Africans lose their lives every month in the society, a number that continues to increase. And we ask ourselves, well, you know, in a, in, a, in a so-called democracy, when you have those kind of deaths culminated on a, on a monthly basis, does democracy really exist? I think at this point in time, most people realize, you know, that U.S. never was a democracy, and it's never going to be a democracy. And as such, you know, we have to understand, you know, uh, the U.S. is a republic. If it's a republic, then we have to understand fundamentally that the people in positions of power, the ruling class, have the right to rule the society in a way they deem beneficial to themselves, not to the masses of the people, but to themselves. In that context, I think when we talk about the plight of African people in society, if we somehow think 
and somehow that these fundamental uh, inequalities that are inflicted upon us is going to somehow dissipate or disappear, then I think we're, we're sadly mistaken. I think we have to understand the nature of the beast, and we understand the ruthlessness employed in terms of capitalism, and we have to have institutions, organizations, to be able to rebuff, and that's, and that's put, it, put it mildly, to be able to resist uh, the, 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 the thrust you know, of these very, very powerful major institutions, including the police. So clearly we got that work cut out for us. You know, and as always, I encourage people, you know, to unravel the matrix, you know, is key. Uh, irrespective <clears throat> of the desires to be pragmatic, uh, at some point we have to deal with reality head on. If we don't deal with reality head on, then reality will deal with us. It's, very, it's that simple. So I encourage people to build institutions, build organizations that are key in terms of the survival of our people, and I'll close with that. Thank you, Brother Haki. Next, we'll go to Sister Eleanor. Do you remember the days of slavery? Your final thoughts for today's program, based upon what we have discussed so far. Your final thoughts, Sister Eleanor. Well, um, one thing uh, when 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 King Charles spoke in Ghana, he he called it an appalling atrocity. But the reality is, and this is what is important in this article, that uh, British-owned plantations, for generations, people were forced to work. And this wealth, uh, this uh, created incredible wealth, which allowed the British to expand and colonize other countries, India, uh, much of Africa, Nigeria, Ghana. And right now, we listen to Ngrumah. He would be shocked at that there's African. That's everything he didn't want. He wanted to see a united military in Africa that would not be an aggressor, but certainly not to have African and the military exercises that are occurring there now. And the results of chattel slavery in the Americas allowed for these, this in, imperialist empire, for the Great Britain to become the imperialist empire and the United States. And as slave drivers of, of chattel slavery, they actually overtook uh, the other slave drivers, which was great, which was Spain and Portugal. And uh, we, we can't forget this. And this is great research that's being done. And this young uh, historian, Camilla de Kooning, is uh, going to bring a lot to life when she's able to connect the British involvement in the transatlantic uh, trade of enslaved African people. And uh, uh, Prince Charles uh, allegedly uh, said that uh, he would welcome uh, the fact that the palace uh, uh, will open its archives uh, 
to her and uh, to the researchers and the uh, many many uh, palaces that they they have with it with which with, which appear which obviously have archives and uh, other major once again other major institutions are also examining their involvement in the slave trade. I just want to. Um, also go back to Tuesday real quick before closing out, Brother Africa. This Tuesday, uh, of course, uh, 4 to 6 at the Justice Department, the demonstration will occur. But at 10 a.m., people are meeting in the Rayburn business, uh, buildings, Rayburn uh, House office building in the lower level cafeteria at 10 a.m. to break up in groups to go around and lobby. Congress concerning the uh, size uh, 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 being extradited. Um, during the Obama administration, he thought uh, it was found that it was thought to be unconstitutional and that they were going to accuse Julian Assange, and they should also include the New York Times and others. But this Espionage Act has never been challenged in court. So whether or not it's constitutional is yet to be seen. But as far as uh, chattel slavery goes, we know that it enriched the British Empire and laid the foundation for its expansionist world role in, 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 in the world today. And the fact that the U.S. utilized chattel slavery and created the slave triangle trading rum and uh, exporting cotton in particular uh, as a major cotton producer and tobacco producer. It's what made the U.S. wealthy. And if you go to the Lincoln Memorial, Lincoln is standing on the, he's sitting in a chair, but on that chair, under that chair are cotton, and tobacco leaves, and it's showing the wealth of the nation. So um, it's about time and long overdue that chattel slavery be recognized and that the descendants of persons who have endured to this day the suffering that uh, of, of, of being uh, Africans uh, of formerly enslaved in in colonies and in oppressed situations throughout the Americas and the colonialism in Africa. It is about time that the research and the information and the facts will come to clear view for the nation so that reparations can be paid to nations and individuals throughout the Americas and uh, throughout the Americas and the Caribbean. Thank you, Sister Alora. Brother Moses, your final thoughts on part one of the two-part series. Do you remember the days of slavery? Certainly. Um, we want to acknowledge that um, Charles, the king of uh, England or whatever, uh, should be more aware of the role that England has played in terms of the slave trade. I mean, he's feigning ignorance um, 
and uh, uh, that in itself is a problem. Um, uh, you know, the sun never set on the British Empire at one point, they were saying. And so everybody knows that the British were up to their neck and slave, the slave movement until until the, uh, they turned to the abolitionist movement later on. But uh, but the the damage has already been done. Uh, I want to thank you for allowing me to be on the show tonight. It's been a pleasure and um, a privilege, and uh, I look forward to more. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses, for your contribution to this program. And we now go to Brother Anthony for his final thoughts on the theme tonight, part one of a two-part series. Do you remember the days of slavery and this whole question of the role of King Charles and the royal families and our connection to the transatlantic slave trade? Your final thoughts for tonight, Brother Anthony. I think the the British royal family was insulated from the atrocities of uh, uh, chattel uh, slavery. And uh, that's why uh, Charles is, is uh, 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 feigning uh, knowledge in terms of how the British royal family managed to accumulate his wealth. But an analysis of uh, uh, of, uh, of uh, British history and U.S. history, for that matter, uh, shows that uh, that the British royal family. Uh, uh, benefited handsomely from uh, chattel slavery and uh, transatlantic slave trade and uh, you know and uh, and uh, let's see the only way the only way we're going to uh, win uh, reparations is with the defeat of uh, U.S. and British capitalism and uh, that comes about through the organization and political education of our people. And uh, let's see. And uh, it's going to take a lot of work. And then uh, uh, this document that uh, that the British royal family is currently coordinating is, uh, you know, it's a start, but. It, 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 uh, and is useful in terms of revealing the role that the British royal family played in our oppression. But it's not. But but it's only a start. It will not alleviate it. Only the organization of our people and our willingness to fight will alleviate uh, the oppression we suffer from. Thank you, Brother Anthony. I'd like to thank all of the political panelists and analysts. And, of course, I'd like to thank you, the listening audience, for allowing us to come to your home on the ninth day of April 2020 to share with you the first part of a two-part series, Do You Remember the Days of Slavery? Remember, you can catch Africa on the Moon every Sunday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, U.S. We come to speak truth to the powerful and the powerless. We come to value with information so that you can use it as a tool for liberation. 
We stand the feet. We take the heat as we define it. We're going to stand behind it. Remember, all views that you hear on this program are not necessarily the views and thoughts of Africa on the move. They are the views and thoughts of the independent panelists and journalists or guests. So until next time, we welcome you to join us next week. And again, if you would like to become a supporter, go to move and show your love. You can send your gifts to or buy cash app. Cap dollar sign, capital L, small e, small e, small c, small r, small o, small b, or you can sell it to Africa on the move two at gmail.com. Our support will be used as a means to help further liberate our people and our motherland Africa. With that economic dependency, there cannot be no freedom. Let's come together, let's organize, let's support one another, and help us build this radio show by sharing it with your friends and your network. If you'd like to copy of this show or others, just please email us at AfricaOnMove2, and we will email you the necessary information where you can share our listeners. So until next time, continue to travel down the road of liberation and unification. And remember, Pan-Africanism is the key. It will set all Africans free. Until next time, we leave you with sweet sounds of liberation. This is Brother Africa from Africa on the Move. And we apologize today for the technical difficulties we encounter. But remember, we don't control the technology. We just use it. This has been Africa on the Move. Je suis un peu plus de temps de rapper, de vivre en rapper, à rattraper, puis bien mon arrière à rattraper, d'avoir
man, black man, go on and get a catch scan. I had chain wrapped too straight, too tight. We got a backhand, there ain't no Batman in this black land. I wish a rich nigga would come and save the day and pave the way. Ain't no amazing grace. I blaze the haze to remain the faith. Twenty years for my medicine, but they wanna throw me away for that. Then turn around and legalize it. I wish being black was truly accepted. Four hundred year elephant in the room. This ain't a new deal. They've been treating us like animals. We in a zoo still. So let me tell you how I feel. Guilty conscience trumps common sense every day, y'all. Ignore the issues, look at the victim like it's their fault. As if a wagon ain't harassing, waiting for jaywalkers in front of the building. Minding your business, news trying to pay your bills as if that wasn't to mention. Conjunction, junction, tell me what's your intention. Don't call them kings and treat them like some common folk. You a fighter like Ronda Rose, drowsy move around the rope. Drowsy with a cloud of smoke, how'd he do for Maui, bro? Traveling around the globe, you didn't know, but now you know. Early morning risings, my end of a long kick in Birdman hand rubs, feeling my palms itching I need a spiritual thought with top that's top notch We watch black power docs and study our chakras Ooh, child, don't you ever come, come down You acting like the sun ain't out We gon' cop a ticket and fly on out again, fly on out Ooh, child, don't you ever come, come down you actin' like the sun ain't out And we gon' cop a ticket and fly on out of here, fly on out Oh dear black man, tell me what happened You can't be low when your glow's everlasting Him when your ass been on Aspen like I have been Raising the trap when the guard stroke math and moves with a Mac 10 Not that nigga back then, but look now nigga I'm established, cut camera action I cut lines with my sad card, my bitch is packing Then I'm cutting in line with a bad boy, they caught him flagging Then huddle round him with a stat chart, look You stay awake up feeling better than I ever been Check out my melanin, it's now the makeup for the mannequin That wants to be the same as the slave on the sedative you kill culture, I give knowledge, I spit stylish Crane kicks and Balenciagas and speaking science And bodegas that grow flavors was taught language Was taught to talk with the razor from having Spanish neighbors I fought the haters, court cases and lost paper Educated killers walking, no ladies cross the street Turn back around, walk across and sell hard to a fee No turning back now, rent you and your kids gotta eat yeah. Black man rule the deep with the blood of a king yeah. Black man roses arose from the cold concrete I Eat, walk, talk, gritty Snitches get buck fifty One slice, buck fifty Both get cut quickly Until they free Goldie Nobody can fuck Talk with me Oh, child Don't you ever Come, come down
illegal You're in a Milan Dig out me gold In a Milan Digging out me pearl In a Milan Dig out me diamond We are go fight, 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 fight Yes, apartheid
Your contribution will be greatly appreciated. And spread the word. And remember to join us every Sunday from 7 p.m. Eastern Time, U.S. This is Africa on the Move, and we will continue to carry you down the road of liberation through our liberation music and sound. We must continue to fight. That's right. We got to fight.
so vast, so great, the African embrace, the color of life, universal harmony, the earth supports our conscious effort for sustained humanity. Human being, human love, on a spiritual tip, so vast, so great, the African embrace, live beyond, love beyond. Your skin to where you belong. Our mother gave birth to everyone on earth. So we echo her call. 
always walk tall. Cause we're hip to the world, so we create black pearls. Everyone can wear, everyone can share. We can't live in despair, so we shine everywhere. On and on. On and on. Ooh. 
chains, living in pain, today is the same, and nothing ever changes. Hung by a noose, can't tell the truth, filled with abuse, and everywhere there's danger. How long can this go on? When will the light I see? I know I must be strong to last through my journey. Yes, to last through my journey. When we must decide to get off the ride and stop going through these changes. We must prepare and learn how to care, but soon we'll be there while our lives won't be in danger. And when the light is clear, oh, how beautiful I will be to know. That I've been here and made it through my journey, yeah, and made it through my journey, yeah, 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 made it through my journey, made it through my journey, Reno. A bloodline across the waters, from Benin to Salvador Bahia. A scar across the face of the earth. Pellerino, the place they brought the Africans, the place where they tried to make them slaves. Pellerino, you can feel the whip, hear the cries, and see the blood in the red clay. The clay that holds the stones together is African. And each stone is a bone from a people called slaves. Pellerino was the place where death came to dwell. His neighbors did not complain, for he was a way out. From the cold, gray, cobblestone streets to the lifeless cathedrals, tall walls of demons called angels, haunted visions of white faces, crucifying Jesus again and again. But in the sacrifice of this blood, of this dance with death, comes life more rich, more pure, more alive, where death spent many lonely nights pacing the floors of his funeral parlor, waiting for someone to die. Pellerino, a French word called the place of torture, became a place of strength, a place where faces of white saints became faces of black gods, where haunted visions and demons became healing visionaries and orishas from the motherland. And Jesus rejoined his kinfolk and was reborn and baptized in the sound of sensual skin turned up to dance, to inspire a fire like the sun pronouncing his presence. Pellerino was the tongue of the flame, licking the eyes of those who have tried to remain blind, shining a light on a spirit that would not be denied. No, the chains did not break the spirit, did not enslave the music of my soul, did not shackle the will of my freedom, did not tarnish the glow of my gold, 
and all the Palomino's in Africa, in Europe, in North and South America cannot destroy the majesty of my people, the love of my people, shining like the sun everywhere we go, everywhere we go. light is clear, oh how beautiful I will be, to know that I've been here, and made it through my journey, yeah, and made it through my journey, yeah, 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 yeah. Come 